What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chat. This is episode number 125. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Not too much. We got pre-release on the horizon. I'm, I'm glad we have another week and a half to prepare, though. Right. Yeah. So I don't know how to break this to you, but uh, pre-release is like tomorrow <laughs> at the time of recording. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next week, so, it'll be released what? in Arena. Uh, so, you know, pre-release is tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. So this has been a dramatic reenactment of the conversation Zach and I had around 10 minutes before starting recording, <laughs> in which I realized that my calendar was wrong. Uh, I had written down that pre-release was on the 18th. So I have a fully booked weekend and I don't think Zach has much time for this either. So uh, looks like we might finally skip a pre-release. I don't know. We'll figure some way out to do this properly. Yeah, unfortunately, that is the case. But fortunately, that means we've got a new set on the horizon, Brothers War. And this is the Brothers War format breakdown. So we're going to go through all sorts of stuff regarding Brothers War. But before we do, of course, our usual housekeeping, check out the Discord if you're not already in it. Link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. It's the best place to go to chat with us and the rest of the Traficionado community, discuss picks. Of course, spoiler season is always a great time to be in there. And with the new set rolling out, we're going to be seeing all sorts of new fun goodies that people are figuring out with the set. So check that out. Again, the link is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. Huge thanks to all of our patrons who keep us doing this each and every week. You guys rock. And you know, if you wanted, if you wanted to get a, a live listen to that conversation of Ben realizing <laughs> that uh, pre-release is not in fact next week, uh, you can get, get access to that through the Patreon. We upload our pre-shows every week so you can no, uh, check it out just a just that. a brief uh <laughs> brief conversation between ben and i before the show recording no please don't become a patron and listen to me sound like an idiot <laughs> other yeah, perks anyway. over there include things like our draft doctor series stickers and show notes as well as our draft chaff hero card sent to you signed by us uh, and sent right to you and again you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod Okay, as per our usual cadence, we're going to skip the crack and draft type thing to get to our full breakdown of the set. Uh, and before we do go to the full breakdown, we've got our Teferi Tybalt, which is our Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. Ben, I can guess you're low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, my Tybalt would have to be not realizing that pre-release was this weekend, so that kind of sucks. But uh, I guess it happens sometimes. Not much you can do about it. Unless we petition wizards to move it until next week, maybe. Yeah, yeah good luck with that. Uh, maybe maybe they, they know we're big big supporters, so maybe, maybe they'll they'll throw us a bone. Uh, anyway, missing pre-release is kind of going to suck, but I guess we could probably do something ourselves over Thanksgiving break. Maybe find like a maybe just go draft or something, just hard draft the set instead, uh, or pick up some pre-release kits or something like that. Uh, my voice is a little little raspy today because I was at a concert screaming my my vocal cords to death last night. Uh, the 1975, one of my all-time favorite bands. Fantastic concert. That's my Teferi. Uh, and also, I have a four-day weekend this week, which is nice. It's a teacher convention weekend. So uh, there's, there's teachers that actually go to the convention, but most of them, we just, you know, we just take a break. Some of them have to record podcasts and stuff, so. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, and then with this four-day weekend, I've got friends coming over for like a like a Friendsgiving style thing. So that's always fun. What's up with you? Yeah, uh, I guess my Teferi's that I'm settling into my apartment. Things are uh, mostly where they need to be. Um, and like furniture is kind of settled. I'm waiting on one thing still. And that is a, a big piece of art that go, to go on my main living room wall. Um, so hopefully that'll be in soon. But otherwise, I'm, I'm pretty settled. And then, yeah, I'll echo the Tybalt uh, pre-release 
kind of being missed. I think both of us thought it was later in the month than it is. And so, you know, in hindsight, it makes sense because like the 18th is, is pretty close to Thanksgiving. People start to travel that weekend and such. And so maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe that was strategic, but yeah, unfortunately we're going to miss it. Um, I'd rather miss this one though, than the Dominary United, if I'm honest. Yeah. I, I was talking to you about this before the show. I just look artifacts. If you love artifacts, good for you. I just don't. And to be honest, while making this, uh, this format breakdown, I was a little underwhelmed. Uh, there's definitely interesting stuff in this set. A lot of interesting rares. I mean, meld is back. That's always fun, but these big flashy artifact creatures, uh, I'm more of an enchantment creature kind of guy. All right, on to our listener question of the week. This week, we're actually going to skip the listener question uh, to get right into our format breakdown, but definitely hop in the Discord into our listener questions channel and drop all sorts of questions. It doesn't have to be magic related. Feel free to throw, throw your questions in there. We'll get to those each and every week. All right, on to our format breakdown for Brothers War. This is an interesting set in terms of the way that it fits into like Magic's history and such. Um, for all of our format breakdowns, we like to go through a, uh, a slew of the mechanics. We'll talk through all the new mechanics, um, recurring mechanics, anything like that. And then we'll jump into each of the main vectors for the set. If you're not familiar with vector theory, check out our episodes on vector theory. We've got a few of them that's sort of our, our bread and butter um theory on how we evaluate cards. So definitely check those episodes out and uh, we'll go through each of the main form, uh, each of the main vectors and sign There's there's signposts, some top commons for the vectors. And then we'll talk through top commons in each color uh, at the outset of the format from our perspective. So Ben, why don't you kick us off with the, the mechanics? What are we, what are we looking at here? <laughs> We're not actually looking at that much. Um, I think we've only got two new mechanics here. We've got prototype is our first one. So prototype reads on uh, artifact creatures. You may cast the spell with different mana cost, color, and size. It keeps its abilities and types. So basically you would have a, an artifact creature that costs like eight or nine or ten mana, but then it might have a prototype cost of like two green green or three and a white. Uh, and it's a way to cast these for less and then give them color. It's a little weird to have that tracked. Um, I don't think it really comes up in the set, at least in limited, because I don't think anything cares about uh, like destroying creatures that are a certain color or anything like that. A little weird. Uh, I, I like this as a kicker mechanic, though. And yeah, it is just kicker. It's, it's reverse kicker. Uh, something kind of cool about this. If you reanimate or regrowth a card with prototype, it doesn't remember any previous times that it was cast. So if you just straight reanimate something from the graveyard to the battlefield, it'll come in as the big version. And spoiler alert, the, the, the cards tend to scale with their power and toughness. So the big version tends to be bigger. So that, that's a nice little uh, trick you can do with them. And how does that affect uh, mana value? Converted mana value. I, I believe that once uh, it's on the battlefield as a prototype cost, I think you would look at the prototype cost that it had been cast for. Uh, but then if you just, you know, have it in any other way, you'd use the full cost. I don't know. Again, a weird tracking issue. I could have that wrong. Yeah, that was the way I understood it as well. But let us know in the Discord if we totally botched that. The next mechanic here is Unearth. It's sort of a, a card effect, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's a pretty common um, piece of sets. And the idea here is you return a card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste, exile it at the beginning of the next end step, or if it would leave the battlefield. And then you Unearth only as a sorcery. Um, so pairs really well with Self Mill. Pairs well, actually, with Prototype as well. Um in that, I mean, not that we see that on the same things, but reanimation effects will pair well with prototype. Um, it's kind of a cool form of temporary card advantage. 
on earth. Um, doesn't really matter, you know, if, if they go away, if you're going to just swing with a bunch of hasty creatures and kill your opponent, um, you obviously can take advantage of enter the battlefield effects, um, which are definitely a thing in this set as they are in pretty much every set. And, uh, otherwise, you know, just with any sort of reanimate effect, you're going to want to look for ways to get extra value out of these creatures that you're pulling out of the graveyard, sack them before they die to the, the unearth trigger, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, unearth can be cool if a creature has an activated ability. Uh, there's actually some non-creature artifacts that have unearth in this, uh, in the set that, that have, uh, they make good use of that too. Now that's kind of it, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of other themes. There's like a, a black red sacrifice theme, but we're not going to talk about that yet. And there's like soldiers and whatnot, uh, mana value three or less matters. The only other thing I wanted to talk about was power stones because they're so ubiquitous at the set. So uh, when it says like make a power stone, uh, it's an artifact token with uh, tap to add one generic mana. And then that mana cannot be used to cast a non-artifact spell. So it can be used on artifacts, uh, non-creature or creature. Um, and then it can be used to activate abilities because it doesn't specify that. You just can't use it on like instant sorceries, enchantments, non-artifact creatures. Uh, but you can use it to activate abilities uh, or maybe slam some of those giant prototypes as their, their full cost. So uh, this includes all sorts of activate abilities, like, for example, unearth costs. Um or there's some like seven mana, there's like a, th- a two, three in the set that has seven mana draw two. You could use it for that. Uh, and then you can also use, you can use this mana in kind of clever ways. Uh, for example, energy refractor, uh, it lets you, it's like a mana rock that lets you filter mana. So you can use a, a power stone uh, with energy refractor to filter it into usable mana that can be spent on anything. Yeah. Also kind of a cool little just tie into the, era that we're talking about in terms of where this set takes place in magic's history kind of just a a cool way to turn that mechanic on there's also sort of a i mean calling it a mechanic in the set is is maybe a stretch but ben ben mentioned it previously there is also meld in this set there are three cards that meld they're all mythics and and obviously they're pairs like every meld card has a pair but there are three cards that do the trigger for meld and they're all mythics uh, so you probably won't see it happen too often, but it does exist. And so meld, uh, let me, let me just read one off for you. So you, you can kind of see what, what that sounds like. They all have different triggers. So take that with a grain of salt. But for instance, we have Titania voice of Gaia. This is one green, green for a mythic. It, uh, it's a three, four elemental legendary creature. It's got reach whenever one or more land cards are put into your graveyard from anywhere you gain two life. And then here's the meld bit. At the beginning of your upkeep, if there are four or more land cards in your graveyard and you both own and control Titania Voice of Gaia and a land named Argoth Sanctum of Nature, exile them, then meld them into Titania Gaia Incarnate. And so the two cards kind of transform, become a single card with, you know, beefier effects and such. And so um, something to look out for. It's a mechanic that will be in the set every so often in limited. You'll find it. But uh, yeah, only exists on three mythics. So. Probably won't see it too often. I mean, obviously getting a meld is a huge achievement in this limited format. If you pull off one of these melds and get like the the massive Gaia or the, the backside of Urza or Mishra, <laughs> like, you did it. I want to see the screenshots and I'm sure people will do it. Uh, ideally in sealed when you just open both and I mean, some percentage of players will get to experience it. But uh, I mean, they'll be the lucky ones. I don't think this is going to come up very often at all. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a bucket list item for me, though, to meld all three of the mythics throughout the course. I'm hoping to at least get to draft all, all of these rares <laughs> and mythics, but 
anyway, let's get right into our individual vector breakdowns. Let's start with blue-white, which honestly, one of the only archetypes I'm pretty excited for, uh, because this is blue-white soldiers. And our, our vector signpost, Yoshin Tactician here, uh, I'm laughing because Yosha declares war. This <laughs> is in the back of my head, just uh, honestly stone unplayable in DMU, but really good in a deck that I'm piloting at the, uh, the arena qualifier next weekend. Uh, so anyway, uh, Yoshin Tactician, two white blue for a three, four human soldier. It's uncommon. Other soldiers you control get plus one, plus one. Honestly, this is, this is nuts. This is great. I don't think the I vector could card. be any clearer. No, like just play a bunch of soldiers. Uh, specifically, we're going to look for creatures that make multiple soldiers or I think like uh, the, the little, like the most common token in the set is the one, one artifact creature. Uh, maybe besides power stones, but the most common creature token that seems to be flying around lots of cards ETB to give you like a little one, one artifact soldier. So it's going to be pretty easy to uh, get all of these soldier tokens. You're going to go wide, you're going to pump them all. And there's kind of a skies theme within this vector as well, which blue white often has. So if you're attacking with maybe like a, a two, one flyer, all of a sudden it's a three, two flyer solid upgrade. Oh yeah. This sounds like a, 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 a vector that I'm going to look to play pretty often. Flyers with ways to pump your flyers is always something that I find I'm happy with. So let's talk about Scrapwork Cohort. Now, this is technically a colorless card, but we're going to include it in the blue-white vector because it costs four. It's a 3-1 soldier at common. When it enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token. And then it has unearth for two and a white. So that's why I'm including it here in blue-white. Uh, so this is a 4-mana 3-1 that ETBs to make a 1-1, and both bodies are soldiers. Obviously, what this vector wants to be doing is making a bunch of bodies, and then when this thing dies, it trades off. Yeah, it's a 4-mana 3-1. It's going to trade off. But then you get to unearth it, and then it comes back. You get that other ETB 1-1, and that 1-1 sticks around even when you sack this at the end of the turn. So I see this as a lot of value in one little body. And yeah, it's not the most efficient rate of all time, but... I mean, it can functionally make three and a half-ish soldiers <laughs> over the course of its time on the battlefield. Next up is Warlord's Elite. This is my kind of card. Two and a white for a 4-4 four, four human soldier at common. As an additional cost to, ta to cast a spell, tap two untapped artifacts, creatures, and or lands you control. So what I'm looking to do is tap two soldier tokens and play a three mana 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, I guess that's that's kind of the play pattern this deck is going to have. I'm thinking of like other ways I could do that. Maybe there are some random artifacts that aren't creatures that I've got lying around so I can just like play this swing with my other creatures. But those one ones likely won't be super useful by the time this hits the board. So yeah, you get some extra value out of them by tapping them down as well. Uh, I like the flexibility though. Like you're often probably not going to be tapping your lands for this thing because you're going to be tapping out on three to do this. Mm -hmm. But if you've got some extra power stones lying around, you can tap those. Uh, yeah, this seems like a really nice card. So far, the only card really, at least that we've talked about, that leans toward an aggressive slant for blue-white, right? The Scrapper cohort, cohort at four mana is not really looking too aggressive. The uh, Yoshin Tactician at four mana for three, four, not really looking too aggressive. But this is this is definitely leaning more toward a little bit of an aggressive uh, aggressive slant for this archetype. I would say this is a slow aggro deck. Like, I think this is yeah. one of the more aggressive vectors. Like, I almost want to say assertive versus defensive or yeah. like assertive versus reactive. If that's the, 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 the uh, <laughs> I remember spectrum, if that's the spectrum we're looking at, the assertive side versus the reactive side, I think blue white is one of the most assertive decks in the format, but I think it's kind of slow. Like, like you said, this, uh, this kind of ETB make a one, one, we usually see this at three, right? Like, um, uh, 
Yavi Maya Safford or whatever, like the little guy that like makes a, a one one, like a two two that makes a one one. That's super common at three mana. But this we see at four, and yeah, it has unearth and it's colorless. You can use power stones to cast it. So I don't know. Uh, I think even though this is one of the more assertive vectors, it is a little slower. I guess so. People have time to do all sorts of power stone nonsense. Uh, who knows? Next up, Wing Commando. This is two and a blue for a two two human soldier. It's a common. It is flying and prowess. And that's this it. will be my most drafted card in the set. <laughs> I, I think it's one of the top three blue commons. So you're on the right track already. I mean, this card's sick. Like, even if you just I mean, if you're casting a non-creature spell every other turn, this is like a like a two and a half, two and a half flyer <laughs> for, for three mana. And that's obviously great. So uh, I'm super in on this. And the fact that it has prowess makes it difficult to block. It's just in the air at all times. Um Great card. Yeah, not much not to like about this. Now, here's one that's going to get you. Zephyr Sentinel. One in a blue for a 2-1. It's a human soldier at Uncommon. It has flash and flying. So already, like, you're in, right? Yes, (laughs) please. Yeah. Yes, Uh, please. Already really in. But when it enters the battlefield, return up to one other target creature you control to its owner's hand. If it was a soldier, put a 1-1 counter on Zephyr Sentinel. Can I interest you in a 3-2 flash flyer? Oh yeah. What so what I'm looking for here is a one mana crew. Now I need to find a one mana soldier. You go with one <laughs> mana soldier into Zephyr Sentinel, bounce uh, on your opponent's turn, of course. Bounce your own one one. Yep. Or one mana creature, then play a wing commando, then play as a Yoshin tactician and just swing for the fences. Disgusting. Disgustingly good. And th- and this stuff is happening in the air too. Like the ground power stone decks, what are they supposed to do about this? I mean, th- this also pairs really well with counter spells and removal. Um, I don't know. This looks like a, a fun, assertive, tempo-y deck with with the ability to like leave mana up, um, but also co- to go wide too with, with like the scrap board cohort. Uh, it looks like a very fun vector. Maybe even with several sub vectors. Maybe there's like a skies version and a go wide version. I don't think they'll tend to happen at the same time. But maybe just like a good like tempo-y blue white deck with all this junk thrown in. <laughs> maybe it's just good enough. My kind of deck. That's that's exactly the vector I like to play. Next up, we've got blue black. This is what we're calling the draw plus two, draw draw two or more kind of uh, uh, vector. And our signpost uncommon here is Evangel of Synthesis. This is blue black for a Phyrexian human cleric at uncommon. It's a two three. When Evangel of Synthesis enters the battlefield, draw a card, then discard a card. As long as you've drawn two or more cards this turn, Evangel of Synthesis gets plus one plus zero oh and has menace. Hmm. Yeah, okay, so we want to draw cards, and we're going to see a lot of this as long as you've drawn two or more cards thing. Do a thing. Um, cool, I'm, I'm fine with that. I appreciate that this card triggers itself, but I don't really get its own effect with that trigger because you can't awkward. use it the same time, yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> if this thing had haste you know but so so it, it, it like we get it it triggers all of the stuff and uh, across blue and black there's a lot of stuff that says when you draw your second card this turn so you top take this early it's a two three that gets a benefit from when you later draw cards uh and then if you top deck it late it triggers all of your stuff at once it's not i don't know it's not that pushed it, it's a two mana two three so i guess it's fine on turn two but i don't know i just it's like these these blue black two mana two threes. They just don't really. I just don't like them conceptually. <laughs> they're they're good. They're good cards, but especially this guy. He's got a little. This guy needs a shower. I think. 
<laughs> he's got some, yeah, got some oil all over him. All right. So our first blue card here is Thopter Mechanic. This is one in a blue for a human artificer at Uncommon. It's a 2-1. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, put a 1-1 counter on Thopter Mechanic. Okay, I can get behind that. And then when Thopter Mechanic dies, create a 1-1 colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. So this also looks like a card that's going to fit well into the blue-white skies deck if you can figure out how to draw cards in that deck. And Mm. that's something blue tends to be able to do. So there might be a version of a blue-white go-wide deck. This card looks really Using annoying. a couple of Thopter Mechanics. I love it. I'm, I'm in for this card. <laughs> yeah, when it's on your side of the battlefield. But it's, <laughs> yeah. it's going to grow, right? They have to deal with it eventually because... You know, it's only going to get worse for your opponent, right? Like if this thing, I guess you want, I mean, one counter is fine, two counters, and then this thing becomes a beater, like a four, three for two. Uh, so you, you need to do some work here. You need like a looter. Man, I wonder, wonder if you could find one of those. But uh, <laughs> once you put, start putting some cards uh, and, and counters on this thing, then eventually they got to kill it and it rewards you with a one, one flyer. So really really strong rate common uh, uncommon rather i will say at first read i thought this said create a one one thopter for each token each counter on it oh come on that's uh, like so i thought rare. this is way yeah i thought this is way better than it is um this but is yeah sure you get, you get your one counter back that or you get your one token that's fine next up we've got urza power stone prodigy baby urza here <laughs> two and a blue for a one three human artificer at uncommon it has vigilance it has an activated ability of one tap, draw a card, then discard a card. Hey, found your looter. Yep. And whenever you discard a card, uh, sorry, whenever you discard one or more artifact cards, create a tapped power stone token. This ability triggers only once each turn. Hmm. So there, there is a weird tension here. I mean, obviously the looting ability is great. This is what you want with your, uh, your draw two deck. I mean, curving Thopter mechanic into this just absolutely disgusting. Oh, yeah. Your opponent knows they have to do something about one or both parts of that synergy. But um, my problem is when, when you're discarding artifact cards, yeah, you can discard stuff that has unearth. That's cute. But oftentimes you'll want to play the front half of the unearth card, too. I mean, it's not like totally free to just keep pitching all of your cards that have unearth into the graveyard and then you wind up with a handful of lands. Um, it's a cute synergy. Yeah. And then also with the prototype stuff. Um I mean, when you when you discard like your 10-10, your 10 mana 10-10 to make a power stone, you're both discarding a thing that you could have been playing for cheaper, maybe especially thanks to the power stone. And you're kind of saying, OK, I'm going to have all these power stones that I'm getting from pitching these big things. And then what if you loot away all your big things and then you have all these power stones? So, so there's a little tension with both prototype and unearth with Urza, but I think it's good enough at enabling both that you'll still be pretty happy with it because obviously it's also just a looter with upside right so, so i'm going really deep here on a looter with upside and it has vigilance for some reason as a blue card i don't know what's happening but this card's great so that actually adds a little bit of extra tension because the vigilance and it's a one three so the vigilance paired with its stat line makes you want to leave this up to block your opponent's creatures and then loot on your opponent's turn but then that doesn't trigger your second card draw oh, for the turn oh, things weird so there's just really a ton weird. of tension going on with this card. <laughs> Look, you're gonna you're gonna play it. You'll attack with it for some reason, and then you'll loot on your turn, and you'll be happy. Like, you <laughs> that, know, I actually think it's a gets. huge flavor win. This is like baby Urza. He's going through puberty. You know, he's a little awkward. He's trying to figure himself out. <laughs> I think it works. Uh, wait till you see the the little the baby Mishra. It's not nearly as good. <laughs> Next up here, we've got Moment of Defiance. This is two and a black for an instant at common. Target creature gets plus two, plus one, and gains lifelink until end of turn. Draw a card. 
So obviously this effect is going to be great in any sort of deck that cares about drawing more than one card a turn. Uh, we see the plus two plus one in lifelink thing on black cards pretty often anymore. That's that's kind of like a staple black common we see these days. Yeah. Um, totally fine. I think uh, it's going to be a combat trick that kind of helps you get out of sticky situations. And uh, yeah, getting an extra card is, is, is great too. Again, it kind of has some tension because it's an instant. I mean, you would definitely want to use this as a combat trick in combat. But because of the deck's vector, you kind of want to be doing this on your turn more than your opponent's turn to maybe push through extra attacks and such. Yeah, so I like this on on an unearthed creature that's going to die anyway because that it's too. not like they're going to spend removal on it or they're, they're not necessarily going to put their best creature to trade with it. So maybe you you uh, you unearth like a 2-2. Two, two. I wonder where we could talk about one of those. Maybe you like unearth a 2-2 two, two or something uh, and it has some ETB effect and then you swing with it and your opponent's like, well, I mean, this is either a free block, like they just stick their 3-3 three, three in front of it because they think it's going to die anyway. Or if it's like a larger unearthed thing, they think, oh, well, it's going to die anyway, so I'm not going to trade off for it. And then you wind up either using Moment of Defiance to have your thing that's going to die anyway, trade with their thing that it originally wasn't going to trade for, and then you get some life gain and a card off of it and proc all your stuff. Um, or you swing in with like a 4-4 four, four that got unearthed and they don't block it and then you gain six life and draw a card. So I think this card is a lot better than it looks and I don't like that. <laughs> like I, I don't want a card that looks like this to be good, you know, because I don't, yeah. I don't want to accidentally teach people that playing three mana tricks that draw cards is like good. But I think because of the context of the set, it actually has some merit. I just I don't know, man, it's ripe for a blowout even still. Yeah, you have to be careful. There does seem to be a little extra flexibility on this effect in this set than than most other sets that we see this. But yeah, it's still still room for lots of blowout potential. Next up, we've got Scrapwork Rager. This is four mana for Phyrexian Horror at common. It's a 2-2 artifact creature. When Scrapwork Rager enters the battlefield, you draw a card and lose a life. And then it has unearth for three and a black. So this is actually kind of a nice little wombo combo. If you've already got the Rager out and you have a moment of defiance and you do this on... Well, you can only own Earth as a sorcery, so I guess that doesn't work either. But, you know, anyway, it's an artifact creature that ETBs to draw your card. Uh, pretty solid, even for four mana. Like, that's that's typically going to be okay. Um, I don't love it, but it's a nice little common to pad out your, your draw card decks. Mm -hmm. I think black decks will absolutely love this because there's a lot of self-mill yeah. in the set, too. So if you self-mill and you just wind up with a, with a Rager in your graveyard, eventually you're going to find the time. And there's Power Stones just basically tacked onto all the usual places you'd expect to see the the main set mechanic tacked onto. So you're going to be able to unearth this reasonably efficiently. Uh, and then, like we were saying, maybe they just stick their 3-3 in front of it when you attack because they know it's going to die into turn anyway, and it's basically a free attack because you already got your card out of it. And then, boom, moment of defiance, you trade up. Next up is Black Red. We're going to call this one Artisacts. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've got Junkyard Genius here uh, as our vector signpost. One black red for a 2-2 human artificer at Uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, create a tapped Power Stone token. Like I said, tacked on everywhere. And then it has one black red. Sacrifice another creature or artifact. Until end of turn, other creatures you control get plus one plus O and gain menace and haste. Oh boy. That's Gross. incredible. Giving your whole team... I. I, I I kind of don't even care about the rest of the text. Giving your whole team menace can really yeah. turn the tide of a combat. And this yeah. is like giving you the artifact that you want to use to sack later on for it if you don't mm -hmm. have anything else going on. So it's like a nice little all-in-one package. Yeah, this is good. The only thing I don't like about this card is that the the actual character in the art doesn't look more like you because, come on, you're a junkyard <laughs> genus. You know what oh, to do I've, with some junk. 
I, I've certainly been known to be a, a genius in, in the presence of certain junks. So uh, I, I do like throwing things together. And this, honestly, this vector seems like it throws things together. Uh, also, just a little note, you can use that power stone to pay for the activated ability and then sack it as part of resolution. So like, oh, yeah, it, it functionally Love is just that. black red from your lands to do this. Um, anyway, let's talk about the the actual uh, cards in this vector because it's black red sack and it cares about artifacts. So first up, we've got kill zone acrobat. This is two and a black for a three two human soldier at common. Uh, and it says, whenever Killzone Acrobat attacks, you may sacrifice another creature or artifact. If you do, Killzone Acrobat gains flying until end of turn. And you can see in the art, this guy, uh, well, uh, the flavor text says her circus training provided surprisingly valuable on the battlefield. And honestly, 3-2 flyer for two is a stupid card. Like, if, if, that, if that's just the rate. That is obviously nuts, right? So the question is, what percentage of time is it that? Well, it's the percentage that you want it to be that, right? If you have enough like power stones laying around, it's that when you want it to be. Otherwise, it's on the ground. So if you're at 10 and they have one of these things, like you're nervous, right? Yeah, yeah. Like just Luckily, a few power they, stones. they do have to, I mean, they have to declare it as the thing attacks. So you don't have to worry too much about like potential blowouts, I guess, but I don't really know where that would come into play. I mean, this thing's just nuts. Three mana, three, two flyer is just great. And uh, it doesn't have to be that, I guess. Yeah. In the situations where it's on its own, you just don't have anything to do with it. You're not unhappy with a three mana, three, two generally like that's fine, I guess. Mm -hmm. And creatures in the set are a little anemic. They're a little small. Um, I think that just the three, two rate on this is fine. Uh, just, given what everything else is. I, I know I say they're small, but they're rather, they're over-costed, we'll say, because of the presence of power stones and things like that and all, and all the artifact creatures, like the Rager, for example. Four mana, two, two, ETV draw a card. We just got Phyrexian Rager in our last set. Same thing, except one less. So uh, I, I think this can just hit the board and start smacking. And then you can pump the brakes as your opponent builds their ground defenses, and then eventually you accumulate enough power stones to start sending them three in the air. Uh, I'm a fan of this. I feel like this is the kind of card that you will exasperatedly lose to. You know, like you'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe they have the three, two, and it's going to get flying for the next three turns. And I have no removal and I have no flyers and I'm just going to die to it. So this is your front runner for most annoying card to lose to? <laughs> yes, 100%. All right. Now it's a pretty good combo with Gixian Infiltrator. This is one of the black for a 2-1. Phyrexian Human at common. It says whenever you sacrifice another permanent, put a 1-1 counter on Gixian Infiltrator. Ooh, that's so, dirty. Yeah, I mean, again, probably like two counters on this before you are you really paid off. But it seems like that's pretty doable, right? As long yeah, as you have the fodder. Permanent. Yeah, yeah. And it's not limited by like once per turn or anything. So you can just sack as much as you can, sack your whole board to some random effect. And then this thing gets huge at instant speed. Um, it, it's a solid two drop. And then it's otherwise just a two mana, two one. I mean, you'd want to be sacking stuff. You don't just want to put this in like a black red mid range deck. But thankfully... We have some pretty good ways to sack stuff, including Penrigan's Strong Bull. I'm a big fan of this one. Two and a red for a 2-3 th Minotaur at common. Has sacrificed an artifact. Penrigan's Strong Bull gets plus one, plus one until end of turn and deals one damage to each opponent. So here's what I'm picturing. You got out a kill zone acrobat, a Strong Bull, and an Infiltrator, right? And you have like three power stones laying around. You swing with all. You sack one of them to the kill zone acrobat, so that thing's coming in the air for a million. Uh, and then you have this Gixian infiltrator and this strong bull coming in, and your opponent just can't block either one because you have the two power stones. 
you have the ability to tap a power stone, sack it to the to the strong bull to give it one one and ping them for one. And then strong bull also has like a built-in aristocrats effect where you can just sack down all your artifact creatures and power stones to just deal X damage where X is the number of artifacts you control right to your opponent's face. So if you have five artifact creatures and your opponent's at four, they're dead to this card. Yeah. Luckily, this is not a free sack effect. <laughs> you yeah, do need to yeah. pay the one because that would get out of hand really fast. But yeah, it looks like a lot of these cards play very nicely together. And what good black red artifact sack deck would be complete without a turn against effect. So there's sibling rivalry, three and a red. Uh, it's a sorcery at common. Gain control of target artifact or creature until end of turn. Untap it. It gains haste until end of turn. Create a tapped power stone token. This gives you two things to sack in this deck. Now, normally, like a turn against effect gives you one, you know, like you get to take the creature, hope you can sack it to some free or cheap um, outlet like the kill zone acrobat, which actually is a free sack outlet, right? So you yeah. go kill zone acrobat, sibling rivalry turn four, take their best thing, fling it right to the, sa- uh, the uh, kill zone acrobat or the strong bull of a few turns later, right? Uh, and then this thing also gives you a power stone. So not only do you get to take their thing, steal it and sack it, then you get to have a power stone to do the same thing next turn. And that's one of the, the few areas of resources that the black red sack deck can run out of. So I'm honestly, this is one of the few vectors in the set that I'm, I'm really excited to play, uh, blue and <laughs> blue, blue, white and black red bit opposite sides of the spectrum, but these both look really sick. Yeah. They also seem to me so far, at least to have the highest potential, strength in any vector like this so far this deck looks tight i mean every card we just talked about was a common yeah yeah exactly so there's good uncommons in these vectors too yeah and one thing else i wanted to mention too is like we with these power stones they all come into the battlefield tapped which typically means you have to wait a turn to take you take advantage of them and make use of them this deck Mm -hmm. doesn't care you can still sack them when they're tapped that's true yeah all right next up is red green power aggro and our our signpost on common here is the Arbalest Engineers. This is one red green for a human artificer at uncommon. It's a 2-2. When Arbalest Engineers enters the battlefield, choose one. So we've got a nice little modal creature here. Arbalest Engineers deals one damage to any target. Put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. It gains trample and haste until end of turn or create a tapped power stone token. That's a lot of options. It is a lot of options and it covers a wide range of use cases like you never really are going to find yourself needing all of these at the same time. So I feel like there's not too much contention between the options in this, in this card, which is great. You know, there's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's very useful in that way that that kind of expands its range of use. Um, do the effects on this card make up for being a three mana two, two probably. Yeah. It it kind of, I mean, at at worst case, it gives you your, a power stone back. Yeah. You can't use it that turn, but it, it, it ramps you functionally. So yeah, it almost depends on the texture of your hand, right? Like if you have a four drop that you're looking to play next turn, and you don't really care about ramping, then you just make this a three mana, three, three haste trample. That's good. Uh, and then if you have a five drop or a six drop, like some prototype thing, a big artifact creature, then you go, okay, well, you make a power stone instead. Um, the ping mode is interesting. I guess every once in a while you're going to get to ping down an opponent's X1. Um, we have seen a lot of, of X1 so far. Yeah. The presence of unearth makes that a little worse. Like for example, you ping down your opponent's scrap work cohort, the, uh, the three one artifact creature but then they get to bring it back so i mean it's not the biggest swing in the world but uh funny enough this is actually i mean this is an uncommon there's a black common that when it etbs it exiles a card from a graveyard and if it was a creature you're they, they lose one life uh so between this and that common that's actually a reason to not go to one in this format if there's both a common and an uncommon that you know it can just deal one out of nowhere and I, i'm 
I say this as someone who frequently goes to one, uh, <laughs> although there's actually a red five mana removal spell that deals two damage to the creature's controller. So maybe this is the format to go to three. There you go. There's also the uh, the Stronghold that we were just talking about, which can kind of do that. Although you Well, can that's just going to kill your opponent from 10. <laughs> yeah. Like, that card is just sick. So our first common here is Argothian Opportunist. This is two to green for human scout at common. It's a 3-2 when it ETBs create a tap power stone token. So nice. Land of War Elves, this is not, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but, uh, you know, three mana, 3-2. Again, nicely statted. And it just throws in an extra power stone token to help you ramp into the, some of those bigger prototype type creatures or the big uh, artifacts that don't have prototype. Yeah, super solid playable. This is going to just fill in your curve pretty pretty nicely. Yeah, and with enough of these, you can look to get five drop artifact creatures or things that uh, can be prototyped out for five maybe uh, because then this is just a really solid curve. Just untapping, playing a land, slam a five drop after this. Next up, we have Giant Growth, another a nice little reprint. Uh, green for an instant common target creature gets plus three, plus three until end of turn. Get those creatures nice and beefy. Awesome. Love it. You can use it as a lightning strike in the right scenarios. <laughs> I guess more like a bolt because it costs one. But in the right scenario, this will just kill your opponent or it'll blank their damage based removal spell or their power and toughness based removal spell. Um, pretty much can win any combat because it's, I mean, three three is huge. Most creatures are like that size, right? So um, I, I think this is also going to be key in tussling with some of the larger uh, artifact creatures in this set. Like if you want your... I don't know, you're smaller, maybe like a green-white deck with some soldiers in it to be able to match up against uh, your opponents like five fives and six sixes, then this is going to be the thing that lets you go over the top of them. Next up, we've got Blitz Automaton. This is a seven-mana artifact creature construct at common. It's a 6-4 with haste, but it's also got prototype. So as a reminder, you can cast a spell with a different mana cost, color, and size, and it keeps its abilities and types. So for the prototype cost, it would be two and a red for a 3-2 with haste scary yeah, i'm fine with that sure why not yeah um good on turn three good on turn seven no complaints here it has haste in both cases and that's um i mean i feel bad for the people that don't leave a blocker back <laughs> like they, they yeah. just die yeah so these prototype creatures are interesting right because they seemingly are are pretty much all good early good late like that's the whole point behind prototype but that also means they kind of have to make them bland so mm, yeah. it's just as haste like it's Otherwise, a, a three mana three two or a seven mana six four. Uh, but that versatility is huge. Like your curves look way better, and you know you have this in your opener, and you draw a better three drop. Okay, I'll just play the other three drop and hold on to this as long as I have other stuff to play. And maybe yeah. I just cast it at seven, and boom, there's six to the face out of nowhere. And remember, you could be casting this on turn like five for its full yes. price. I mean, there's just plenty of ways to make power stones. Yeah, for sure. Next up is Whirling Strike. This is one in a red for an instant at common. It is, uh, it says target creature gets plus two plus O and gains first strike and trample until end of turn. Nice little combat trick. Yep, this is good. I mean, first strike and trample are two of the best mechanics to get on this kind of trick. Two O for two is is a solid rate. Um, again, not. I mean, maybe it's, I guess it depends on the texture of the format. We'll see how this matches up against Giant Growth, but I think Red Green is going to want some of these tricks. Trample is the big one. I mean, you've got a 6-4 haste we just talked about, right? This is an aggressive set, too, where, uh, I mean, Unearth is an aggressive mechanic. It's sorcery speed. It happens on your turn. The thing can get haste and attack. And honestly, the way prototype works, it's... Uh, I guess it's it's not really templated towards either being proactive or reactive, but I mean, this Blitz Automaton, this thing is certainly uh, an aggressive card. It's a 6-4, and a bunch of the other ones have more power than toughness, too. So I, I feel like people are going to be turning things sideways pretty often in the set. Whirling Strike will help you turn your creatures confident, uh, confidently sideways. All right, next up, Green-White ETB Artifacts. 
We got Yoshin Dissident as our vector uncommon here. White and green for a 1-1 human artificer at uncommon. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. Okay. Yeah. So I'm immediately just thinking like, you know, we want a bunch of power stones. We'll want a bunch of those. Maybe there's one ones. Yeah. Uh, one one soldier Rem- tokens. Remember that scrap work cohort? I mean, that's two artifact bodies and then you can unearth it for two more artifact bodies. That's, I mean, that's four counters oh, yeah. across the whole card. Like that's really good. Oh yeah. And I love that this puts counters on itself as well. Like a lot of these effects we see are put a pulse one plus one counter on another target creature. Yeah. This, yeah, this, this just goes anywhere. On itself. Yeah. Uh, I like that it lets you throw them around because then maybe you need to stack something really tall to attack through your opponents like five five, or maybe you want to go wide and and take advantage of these little ETB tokens that you're getting. So pretty versatile card here. Um, let's see some stuff that can augment it. We got Thopter Architect up first. Three and a white for a two three human artificer at uncommon. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, target creature gains flying until end of turn. Not actually target creature you control. Hmm, <laughs> Uh, something to keep in mind uh there might be a is there like a broken wings in this set i don't know we're not going that deep yet but uh well and two at a giant that works real nicely you can jump your your teammate stuff that's true actually yeah so i think pretty commonly uh you're gonna get extra etb value from unearth because if that's kind of like your card advantage and it has etb like whenever you unearth something it enters the battlefield so you could like unearth the uh the, the guy we were just talking about the scrapboard cohort uh, and then give its unearthed version flying, right? So like when an artifact creature enters the battlefield, it can trigger on itself or in this case on something else. Now this thing is understated, right? It's a two, three, but jumping something every turn, maybe multiple things every turn, just, I mean, in some draws, it's going to be pretty close to your entire team has flying. And that's obviously great. Now I hear you want to make a lot of artifacts at once. Can I interest you in mass production? Five and a white for a sorcery uncommon create four one one colorless soldier artifact creature tokens and uh the flavor text is funny uh i need an army not a masterpiece from urza there you go yeah um the american way i guess um (laughs) and a masterpiece this is not this is four one ones um yeah you know that's i don't know like compare this to a few sets ago where six mana could get you three two two soldiers with vigilance and scry you a bunch right like this is a little worse than that, but it does give you four ETBs, which for something like Thopter Architect would probably jump your entire board into the air. Or for Yoshin Dissident, the, the vector uncommon, uh, it would put four counters on things you control. Like, that's great. So, yeah, I was trying to compare this to Captain's Call just to to see where they went with the evolution of that kind of effect. And so Captain's Call, we just had in Dominary United. It's three and a white for sorcery at common. Create three one one white soldier creature tokens. So a very similar mm-hmm. card. This one is six mana instead of four mana. It's an uncommon and you get one extra body, which tells me that those soldier artifact creature tokens matter a lot more in the context than a generic soldier does in the context of most other sets. Right. Like therein lies the value, the fact that you're getting four artifact ETBs, because like you said, in Captain's Call, the value was just put as many bodies onto the battlefield for the most efficient rate you could. Um the hint here is that this is an uncommon too, right? Right. And yeah, yeah. And you're paying two extra mana just to get another one, one. So they don't have to stay one ones forever. 
Oh, shoot. No, this is non-creature. Uh, cut that. <laughs> so those are some tiny little artifact creatures, but you might be interested in some slightly larger artifact creatures. Maybe Alloy Animist can get those for you. Uh, it's just one green for a 1-1 one, one human druid at Uncommon. And it says, two and a green, until end of turn, target non-creature artifact you control becomes a 4-4 four, four artifact creature. I mean, yeah, this thing can can animate a bunch of power stones. Now, a little awkward. Usually you'd want to use the power stone to pay for the activated ability, in which case it'd be tapped and you'd make yourself a tapped 4-4. Four, four. Not really what you want to be doing. And, and then you have to like do it again another turn. I mean, there's a scary threat of activation here. And I could see games where you know you have a million mana, just way too much. And you activate this on three power stones to make an instant speed army with 12 power. And that's great. But you really need to be going big. I feel like uh, this will be good if, if green-white has a lot of little artifacts laying around. And it is non-creature. So this will be good if it's able to have them laying around. Uh, but otherwise, it almost feels like it might be more at home in blue-green now that I think about it. Yeah, this seems a little bit weird. Like there is some tension here as well, because like you said, you you typically would want to use the power stones to activate this ability, but then you don't really get any value out of activating the ability because you were planning to target your power stones. You yeah. can't target any of your soldiers that you're making off your random cards like Scrapper Cohort and, and Mass Production. So it does feel pretty awkward. That said, otherwise it's a one mana one one. And like there's there are some decks who will just want a one one for one that they can put in their curve and then get value out of later. Yeah. Last but not least here, we got Boulder Branch Golem. This is seven mana for a six five. And when it enters the battlefield, you gain life equal to its power. Oh, it's back. <laughs> the gorgeous George clone uh, or what, what, the honey mammoth or whatever you want to call this effect of a just massive green beater that gains a million life when it comes in. Uh, this thing has prototype, though, where you can cast the spell uh, for three and a green and it enters as a three three instead. So four mana, three, three, gain three. Eh, wouldn't you rather just wait a few more turns and get a seven mana six five gain six yeah i i think though like yeah i guess i guess you're still waiting the same number of turns it doesn't really matter uh i kind of would like to see this have been a three four for four mm -hmm. yeah you're it doesn't change like how much you're gaining life-wise but it blocks nicer it's just a better um, rate yeah i i don't know i i think boulder branch golem's most likely going to be coming down at seven for for most most games but uh again it's another curve consideration maybe you just don't have another four drop and you're trying to keep up with your opponent in terms of mana mana use sure drop it at four and get on with your life yep and this thing obviously if you can send it to the air with thopter architect just you know oh, yeah. then they got a six five to deal with <laughs> yeah i was gonna say like i thought we were stopping all right on to white black which we don't have a clever name for but it's mana value under three <laughs> and less than three. three that's less a than name. three okay Oh, wait, like the little heart? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's clever. In any case, the signpost uncommon here is Hero of the Dunes. It's three white black for a human soldier at uncommon. It's a three two. When Hero of the Dunes enters the battlefield, return target artifact or creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Creatures you control with mana value three or less get plus one plus oh. An interesting lord effect for like for 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 mana values. Hmm. Um Love that ETB. I mean, that's great. It's so good. Yeah. And uh, gotta say, the art on this has very strong, like, Mardu from Cons of Tarkir vibes. Yeah, I, I've been trying to figure out the lore. I haven't read the Brothers War story yet, but it seems there's this, like, desert faction that's they're kind of doing, like, a like an Arrakis, uh, like a Fremen thing, uh, like, anti... 
but then they also are on the same side as the machines. I don't really know. I don't know if they sided with Urza or Mishra or I don't know. I'll read the lore. But anyway, this card's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I'm really seeing like an Abzan ETB graveyard pile. And between this and like, wait till you see the next like signpost. It's it's nuts. But honestly, if, if we're going for stuff under three, my one concern is that if you build your whole deck of stuff under three, then how are you supposed to compete with like the big prototype right. stuff, you know? Um, I mean, there's 10 10s in this format. And if your creatures all have mana value under three, then uh, I worry a little bit. But I don't know. Maybe this idea is just to go so wide that your opponent can't do anything about it. Yeah, I almost see this looking like we go wide. Hero of the Dunes is the top end in the deck. And then mm -hmm. you like Hero of the Dunes, bring back something that died earlier, buff your whole board, swing for lethal kind of kind of yeah. thing. Um, I think if this isn't your deck's top end, then like, what are you doing? And <laughs> yeah, otherwise the vector is just probably not very good. Let's take a look at some other cards that we have going on to support this vector. So the first of which is meticulous excavation. I love this card. Just going to throw that out there <laughs> off the bat. It's yeah, white it's for something. an enchantment. Yeah. White for an enchantment at uncommon. And it has an activated ability of two and a white return target permanent. You control to its owner's hand. If it has unearth, instead exile it, then return that card to its owner's hand. Activate only during your turn. So to be clear, this is slow. Like this very is slow. really, very, very really slow. slow. Uh, let's say your unearth activation costs, like take the rager, for example, it's four, right? That means in order to get the value from this, you'd have to do it on turn seven, maybe, uh, maybe even later than that. You need seven lands in play, right? But when it works... This is an unbeatable late game engine. Yeah, it just like drowning in value, but it's slow. Very, very slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I could see matchups where you have to like sideboard this out if you're playing best of three or may maybe if you're playing an aggressive deck and your opponent plays this, you, you like thank, I don't know what I'm saying. Maybe if you're playing an aggressive deck and your opponent plays this, you're thankful because it means they're going to try to waste a lot of mana and you're, you're okay with that if you're beating them down. But when this goes off in the very, very, very late game, like this has got to be a really fantastic top deck. If you've got a graveyard stock full of uh, unearthed stuff, then you can just loop it all forever. What am I missing on the unearth clause here? Why, why does that matter? Why do they care about something having unearth? Oh, uh, why you have to exile it instead? Yeah. Oh, so um, unearth part of unearth's resolution is if it would leave the battlefield, it gets exiled instead. So like if you have an unearthed thing, you try to bounce it to your hand, it gets exiled uh, with like a blue card or something. So this one, it, it resets that clause by exiling it and then returning it to your hand. Gotcha. I missed that unearth had the or leaves the battlefield bit at the end. Yeah, I'm not sure why this doesn't just exile and then return to hand for everything. I don't think that would have made a big templating deal, but whatever. Yeah. Anyway, our next card here is Recommission. This is one and a white for sorcery at common. Return target artifact or creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. If a creature enters the battlefield this way, it enters with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. This is a nice effect for two mana. I mean, you're, you're by default, if you can get something mana value three, you're by default going up mana. So you're getting a decent value there. Yeah. You're going to get an extra counter on the thing. Maybe that thing also has an ETB effect. I like this. I mean, a lot of these effects we see return stuff to hand and I'm, I'm liking them going right to the battlefield. Now, I will say it does target only your graveyard. So, you know, you don't get any shenanigans out of your opponent's graveyard, but it's a good effect. And it puts a counter on it too. Like you're probably getting four-ish mana worth of stuff when you do this on a three drop, right? Because with the with the counter, maybe with an ETB or something. Um, notably, this was like a rare a few sets ago. Can't stay away from Midnight yeah. Hunt, right? 
Um, <laughs> this is a common. So yeah, pretty good. I like it. What I think that says though, is that there aren't a whole lot of great creatures in this set at mana value three to get back. <laughs> oh, oh, the, the, they're giving us this because the, there's just junk to dredge back up. I don't know. Right. But, but then what about a card like, uh, no one left behind? Yeah. So no one left behind is four and a black for a sorcery at uncommon. And it says this spell costs three less to cast. If it targets a creature with creature card with mana value three or less return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So it's a five mana reanimate. Just get something right back to the battlefield or a two mana get three. It's basically recommissioned minus the plus one plus one counter. Yeah. I mean, it's flexible. This is the one that can reanimate stuff for its like full non prototype value. So like you go turn three, you self mill yourself a bit. Uh, Turn four, you do some nonsense. Then turn five, you reanimate your 10, 10 trample. And that's it. Right. Like that's the dream. Yeah, um, I think that's going to be that flexibility is really nice. It's also cool to have like kind of the same effect in two different colors in this format. Yeah, um, that'll that'll play nicely with any any splashing that you need to do or, or anything like that. Next up is Disciples of Gix. This is four black black for an uncommon Phyrexian human. It's a four four. When Disciples of Gix enters the battlefield, search your library for up to three artifact cards, put them into your graveyard, then shuffle. So this is some nice little self-mill to kind of fuel your your recommissions or your no one left behinds. I don't love this card in this deck because it is a six mana four four. Um, but like I think that has some tension with what the deck actually wants to do, right? I, again, I think your top end wants to be a card like Hero of Dunes. This this feels clunky to me in this deck. Yes, it fuels your graveyard, but I kind of feel like you want to be winning before this really gets any actual value. Now I see this as going and getting three unearth cards, like three unearth yeah, artifacts. And maybe they even have mana value three or less, right? So then it works with some of your other uh, reanimation effects. But I feel like if you are stone out of gas and then you top deck oh, this, yeah. you, you have fully refilled. Like you go and go get like, imagine going and get two ragers and something else, right? Two ragers and that soldier. Like then you're, I mean, just from your ETBs you're going to get from those stock full of value again. Yeah, it seems like it seems like a good top deck. I'm just worried that in like the more assertive versions of the black white vector, maybe there's multiple vectors here to look at in these colors. Uh-huh. Um, by the time like you play this on six, then you've got a way to turn to unearth stuff, and the unearth costs are typically a little high. So you know you're unearthing for maybe it takes you two or three turns to actually unearth all the stuff that you put in your graveyard off of this. So now we're looking at like four turns before you're getting your real value out of it. It's incremental, but. That's the thing. I see this as a slower deck. I mean, I know we're getting mm. the Lord and it's a plus one plus O Lord. So it's clearly aggressively slanted, right? Like it wants to attack. But I think that's actually to help with the uh, like the unearth stuff because unearth plays really well with attacking. And, you know, then they're forced to maybe take a little more damage off of your unearthed creature. Like you bring back a Rager, now it's a three, two. And now like now they actually have to look and see, oh, well, can I take three this turn or does that put my life total too low? I see this as like a... Uh, it's like winning in chunks, you know, and I think getting stuff back and this, this value pile from like Disciples of Gix could be a way to get there. A little slower, yes, but I don't know. There's going to be power stones. People are going to be ramping. I think this might be a slightly slower format. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the speed of the format. I think it is going to be slow. My concern, though, is that like if, if your whole deck and actually everything you just talked about doesn't fit into the mana value three or less thing, right? Because almost no unearth cards have an, a mana value of three or less. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you're looking at already bumping up your mana, like your average mana value for your deck, and then you're not getting the same value out of your cards like Recommission or No One Left Behind and Hero of the Dunes and such. So it's like, I don't know, it feels like a weird tension between the two 
sorts of, I, I think, and then for cards that are mana value three or less to actually compete with some of the bigger stuff, it's, they have to be, it has to be a fast deck. Mm-hmm. But, but like, if you're playing Hero of Dunes in like a black white deck, are you just not playing any four drops? Like you got to have something in there. No, you're definitely going to have a curve. Like, I don't, I don't think you just ignore four and fives, but I think you want relatively few of them. Maybe you'll have like a package of three or less stuff. Like you'll take those higher than maybe most people would. Maybe it'll affect your draft order. Mm. But I also could see a solid black white deck that just doesn't really care about like meeting critical mass of, of right. three CMC or less stuff. And like maybe there's a, a like a black white deck out there that would play Hero of Dunes just kind of for value. But it's not like fully the center of the vector, you know? Yeah. And I think that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, I think there are multiple vectors here and maybe the, maybe that's also just, um, like a MacGuffin. It it might just be that the return, like the, the mana value three or less thing is just incidental value in this vector. Yeah. And, and really you're not supposed to focus on it, but you will get extra value out of those things from time to time. Yeah. Who knows? This is one that I want to play out and see, but I feel like there could be two entirely different vectors within black, white, like we said. Yeah. I mentioned it earlier, this is a nuts uncommon. This might be draft trap cube worthy, actually. This is Skyfisher Spider for black green, which we're calling the, uh, the graveyard value pile because this deck just wants to dump as much stuff into the graveyard as possible. So two black green for a 3-3 three, three. spider. It's uncommon. So it goes in black green spiders in the cube. Eh, eh, maybe, eh, maybe. Uh, it is reach. So four mana, 3-3 three, three reach. Cool. When it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature. When you do, destroy target non-land permanent. Boom. <laughs> Just kill anything. Yeah, I was going to say not quite Ravenous Chupacabra, but I think it's actually better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be so much stuff laying around for you to sacrifice. Now, it'd be sick if you could fling power stones, but sadly you can't. Uh, you just have to sack a creature. So this this forces your worst creature to trade with their best permanent. Yeah, that's really great. That's good. <laughs> Notably, this is... it's. That effect of Stone Cold nothing if uh, Skyfisher Spider is the only creature you have on the board when it ETBs. That's true. You do need a little bit. You need that creature in play to make this work. But like, I don't know, there's a, a white common that dies into a, a power stone. And there's like black stuff that gets ETB value and green stuff that gets ETB value. Um, ones we're about to mention. Uh, but and then I'm not even done reading the card. When this thing dies, you may gain one life for each creature card in your graveyard. And then if you do exile the spider from the graveyard. So you have the option to... Uh, just gain like anywhere from two to seven life, maybe depending on the stage of the game. And then uh, if you do exile it, I guess you could choose not to, if you have like a, like a reanimation effect that you're planning on using on it. Remind me, does this count itself? Uh, yeah, it'll be in the graveyard when the ability resolves. So I believe right. it so it's in itself. the graveyard first, it counts for itself. And then, so if you have no creatures in your graveyard, this dies, you'll gain, you have the ability to gain one and then it exiles. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yep. So here's a good example of a card that it could like fling <laughs> your opponent's best non-land permanent too. That's great. Like even random artifacts and enchantments. Uh, Blanchwood Prowler. This is one of the green for a 1-1 elemental common. When it ETVs mill three cards, you may put a land card from among the cards milled this way into your hand. If you don't, put a 1-1 counter on Blanchwood Prowler. So this is kind of like a little Seder Wayfinder effect, right? Two mana ETV, go get a land, stock a graveyard. Uh, or maybe you built, you pitch some unearth stuff into there, uh, or you just stock it full of normal creatures to reanimate. I mean, th- this is the perfect card for this archetype, right? Yeah. And then, you know, if you're depending on your, what your hand looks like, if you need the land, you take it. If you don't, you have a two mana two, two. Yeah. So. And then, uh, you can always fling this thing using the spider. It seems yeah. great. 
There's also Gaia's Courser, four and a green for a four or five centaur soldier. This is an uncommon. When it attacks, if there are three or more creature cards in your graveyard, draw a card. All right. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no problems here. I mean, it just says attack. It doesn't have to hit. You just have to attack. Uh, this would pair really well with combat tricks, right? Like you you uh, are incentivized to attack with this. Your opponent is incentivized to block it. And then you, I don't know, giant growth it or something and then win and then get to do it again next turn. Yeah. Now, here's a good one. Gurgling Anointer. This was LR's preview card, actually. Two and a black for a one three. Uh, Phyrexian Horror. Now, we're going to look at a little cross vector synergy here. Uh, it's flying. It's an uncommon. When you draw your second card each turn, put a 1-1 one, one counter on the Gurgling Anointer. But when it dies, return another target creature card with mana value less than or equal to its power from the graveyard to the battlefield. So this is a reanimation effect. And I'd be looking for the black cards that can help draw extra cards each turn. Because if you can make this work in a black green deck where you can actually get really good value off of this, like you get back something that gets back something else, or you get back the spider if you chose not to exile it, or you get back a Blanchwood Prowler, which can then mill you more, hit more unearth stuff, like this card can really pop off. The, the key is, will black green be able to draw enough cards? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, stuff like the Gaius Courser will, will be able to help in that way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, where you can swing in, draw, get your counter, do the thing, and that's repeatable. Um, but you'll need to make sure that you can actually send your four or five in, which shouldn't be too terribly difficult. We've seen a lot of small stuff. It's it feels very much like in this in this set, all the creatures are tiny except for the big mechs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, a pretty good removal help spell here. Overwhelming remorse, four and a black for an instant at common. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature in your graveyard. Exile target creature or planeswalker. This reminds me of Deadly Alliance from uh, from Battle for Zendikar. No, Zendikar Rising. This reminds me of uh, Deadly Alliance from Zendikar Rising, where it could get cheaper. It usually costs five, but it could get cheaper depending on uh, how much of a certain resource you had. For that, it was party. And doing it for one mana was awesome. Uh, this is, I think, even easier because you don't have to worry about your creature types. You just have to self-mill a little bit or just yeah. naturally wait as the game progresses. And if this is one black for exile, target creature, or planeswalker... That's obviously nuts. That's like the best removal spell you can have. Like <laughs> how much better than that does it get? Yeah. And I really don't think that's going to be too, di- too terribly difficult in this deck. I mean, Blanchwood Prowler mill three unearth creatures. You're already casting this for two on turn yeah. two. <laughs> yeah. Like that's obviously nuts. And then there's so much reanimate in this set B- between the anointer, the two we mentioned in black, white, there's other ones too. Um, regrowth effects. Um, <laughs> there's just so many options. So, I think exiling is going to be important because the graveyard is not like when something dies, it's it's probably not seen its last time on the battlefield in this set. It seems like this is almost just as much a graveyard set as it is an artifact set. Yeah. And I would add to on your own playing play style and like making decisions and such. The fact that there's a ton of reanimate in the set is something to keep in mind when you're looking to use overwhelming remorse, because Mm. the more stuff you're reanimating out of your own graveyard, the more expensive this card is. Yeah, it's true. So there's a, there's a tension there as well that you want to try to ride the line of like they have a bomb out that I need to kill. If I top deck my overwhelming remorse, I don't want to play the reanimate in my hand because then I won't have four creatures in my graveyard. I'll only have three. You know, stuff yeah. like that um, may may come into play. A lot of tension in this set. It's almost like there's a like a fight or a battle or a a war. Maybe one might say. Nah, we're like a brother squabble. I think. Anyway, okay. uh, that would have been hilarious. They should have named the set that brother squabble. <laughs> well, what's up next? Next up is Green Blue, one of my historical favorites. 
powered ramp is what we're calling this one. And our uncommon here, our signpost uncommon is battery bearer. Two green blue for a human artificer at uncommon. It's a three, four. And it says creatures you control have tap, add colorless. This mana can't be spent to cast a non-artifact spell. So essentially turn all your creatures into power stones. Hmm. And whenever you cast an artifact spell with mana value six or greater, draw a card. Jeez. Who needs yeah. prototypes? We're going right <laughs> to the final product. We're, we're just going to slam all the big mechs onto the battlefield and uh, keep drawing cards as we do. So what, this this sounds like a, a, a vector that I can get behind. Yeah, I mean, this is clearly the vector best suited for slamming the largest stuff available, right? Like the, the uh, I think it's Rust Goliath, the 10 mana 10, 10 uh, trample reach. That is like the home for it. Right. And other decks won't even be able to touch some of those things. Like even red green sometimes doesn't want a 10 mana spell. But if anything does like, I mean, imagine like a normal curve. You play a two drop, three drop, and then this. That's three power stones. One of them, like one of your two or three or four drops. Well, this this is the four drop. But one of your two or three drops may be made of power stones. So you have like four to five mana from your creatures alone. And then you have, I don't know, five or six lands. But you could reasonably slam the 10-10 on turn six, maybe five or six. Yeah. And then that draws you a card and then you just you keep going. Also, this uh, this turns itself into a power stone. It's not just other mm. it's not other creatures. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool. Also, uh, shout out to the, the flavor text on this. She always leads the charge. Oh, the oh that's good. That's good. <laughs> love it. I'm in love with this card. Yeah, it seems good. And, and also we should mention that those power stones I don't think ramping into big artifacts is the only application. There's also activated abilities. Definitely. And the, the other thing I, I wanted to mention before we move on to the, the other cards for the archetype, um, the cool thing with this is that all the prototype cards, while the prototype effect has a colored mana associated with it, the actual creature doesn't. So you can play off-color prototype cards in this deck because you can afford to just cast them full stop for their, their full mana value. Yeah, that's true. I think there's a rare that's like a, I think it's like a six, five angel for, for like six or seven. Uh, it is a prototype for like one white, white, and it comes in as a three, three, but it has all the angel abilities, you know, like lifelink flying, you pick it a, a bunch of stuff. It, it's a good bomb flying rare. And I think blue green would just slam it like, because it never cares about trying to get it out for one white, white, it would just care to get it out for six instead. Right. And from what I can tell, there are zero prototype creatures in the set that aren't actually colorless minus the prototype. Like if you're not casting it for prototype, they're all colorless. So yeah. Yeah. So you're in blue green and then in pack three, you open up like a red prototype mythic. You just take it. Yep. All right. So some supporting cards for, for this uh, color pair, we've got Argothian Sprite. This is one and all green for a fairy at common. It's a two, two Argothian Sprite can't be blocked by artifact creatures. Nice little way to get in under those prototype creatures. And then it has an activated ability for seven colorless mana, put two plus one plus one counters on Argothian Sprite. Oh boy. That's somewhere to dump your mana. Give me some, give me some power stones. I'm turning my two, two into a seven uh, or not like an eight, eight or something. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And notably the biggest stuff in the set that could tussle with this once it has two counters can't on block it, it, can't block it. <laughs> right. So it only takes like one or two activations of this or probably one activation and then one threat of activation to make this yeah. functionally unblockable and just dealing a million damage to your opponent. Cause I mean, everything else won't be able to touch it. Yeah. That, that's actually, I, that's uh, a really cool design space for this card too, because the stuff that can block it will eventually be too weak to block it. Yeah. 
yeah. which is which is awesome. And then everything that's strong enough to block it just can't. So, <laughs> yep, I love that. That's a really cool card. Front runner for top green common? Question mark. I don't know. Maybe uh, there's it's a not few better. Good. There's a few better, but it's definitely a solid two drop. So next up, we've got Falaji. I probably butchered that excavation three green green for sorcery at uncommon create three tapped power stone tokens. You gain three life. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is not as uh, well. I want to say this isn't as good as going and getting three lands, but maybe it's better. It could be better. I think there are going to be situations where it might be better. Yeah. If you have like on average, it's probably ETBs. worse. Right. Uh, but I mean, the, the funny thing about this, I actually wrote about this in my last article over on Cardsphere, uh, and I mentioned our next card as well, uh, stupid bird. But anyway, uh, Falaji Excavation, if you cast this as like the top end to your green-white aggro deck, it does nothing, right? Like it, it does very, right. very little, unless maybe you proc three like artifact ETB things and it gives your team flying or puts counters on stuff but that's then you you spend functionally did nothing just to trigger like you spent a card just to trigger all your abilities when you are putting this in your deck you're confirming that your vector is like nowhere near topping out at a <laughs> over no, at yeah, like six you, mana you're playing this card your 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 top end is like 10 <laughs> yeah you don't put this in your deck unless you have like two or three of the like huge like nine mana eight mana ten mana uh things because otherwise like what are you doing with all this like gaining three is not that much of a benefit here and if you're not actually spending those power stone mana on well like really good activated abilities or hard casting the prototypes then th- you just don't want this so you did mention it. The next card is Koilos Rock, probably front runner for my favorite art in the set. Four <laughs> I, I and a blue like... uh, for a bird creature at, at common. It's a 3-3, three, three, so five mana, 3-3. Three, three. It has flash, it has flying, and when it ETBs, make a power stone. That's so yes, stupid. Like... <laughs> this will be the top end on all my blue-white flyers decks. I just love this card. But like five mana, 3-3 three, three flying flash. We've seen those before, and like... They don't tend to be great when they're the top end of your deck. But if this is like the midpoint of your deck. Yeah, in, in this deck, in the green blue deck, it's like this is like turn three. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you can't ramp into this with power stones. But if, if you're ramping in other means, like, I, I mean, I can see this being a solid midpoint in your deck because, again, similar to Falaji Excavation, it like for, for this a chunk of the value of this card is buried in that power stone that it gives you. So if you untap and then play like a seven or an eight drop, then it did its job. But if you untap right. and then don't spend that mana, you probably could have had a better five drop in its place. Right. So I think this is fine. If you are continuing to go bigger, uh, otherwise right. five and a three, three flying flash, the body is probably fine. But like, I don't know if you're playing soldiers and your opponent flashes this in and you have a combat trick, you're like, yes, I trade two That's mana fair. for their five. Yeah, five mana three three isn't isn't awesome. If you have ways to like pump your board and stuff, I'm thinking in the Flyers deck that like you're you're able to boost your your board's power and toughness a little bit. Seems like a fine top end, but that we did talk about that deck being more assertive than aggressive. So maybe yeah, maybe it would be bad there, but or maybe not bad, but just not great. Um, yeah, it's a flying body, you know. Like sometimes right. a three three flyer just kills your opponent. I just I'm such a sucker for flash flyers. Well, I, I think this next card will. Uh, Maybe you'll like this blue comet a little more. Yeah, that's true. Next card is Third Path Savant. This is two and a blue for a human wizard at common. It's a two, three. And it has an activated ability of seven colorless mana. Draw two cards. Sorry, Argothian Sprite. This is where I'm putting my seven mana. <laughs> like, draw two. Yeah. A, a free divination, essentially. Well, free? 
It's <laughs> an right. overcost of divination, but <laughs> if you played Falaji Excavation, this is functionally free, right? If you have like, okay, sure. I, I want to see how many power stones you can get on the battlefield at once, like because these aren't treasures, like they're you, they don't yeah they don't go up. away. Yeah. So the question is, like, will the blue green deck have like seven seven power stones? Like, is that reasonable? I think, I, I think reasonable. It, it might be. Like, I think five in the very late game. Anywhere from like five to six to seven will be pretty normal. Uh, if, if all of your cards make power stones, I mean, and then this one is a huge payoff. Like if you if you the way I think of it is like if you have to spend two or three real mana to activate this, like tap two or three lands, that's a really good deal because then it's functioning like it yeah. gives you a divination in your hand that you just get to cast. And right. at that point, you'll start drawing so many cards that you'll start then switching to casting all the cards that you drew. And I mean, the game just should be over at that point. Yeah. That's true. I, I think that's a big deal. At what point do you, as as you're, you see this on your opponent's battlefield, at what point are you pointing real removal at this card? Like, <laughs> do you do it before they have three or four power stones or do you do it like when you can see, okay, they're going to have to start like, like they're going to start using two lands a turn to activate this. I need to kill this. this turn. Yeah. Yeah. Probably once they're getting, once they're within like a mana of activating this, then you start to look at your hand and go, all right, how much longer is this game going to go? <laughs> like, can I afford for them to ever activate this? Like, am, am I applying enough pressure or is like a free divination in their hand every turn just going to end up being too much? Yeah, yeah. That's going to feel really bad to have to point real removal at a three mana two, three common. But but that's why you I should put it in happen. your deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, that's why I think it's pretty though. solid. Also, a three mana two, three, like, again, just pretty fine stat line. I know it's boring, yeah, yeah. but I think it'll be fine. All right. So blue red is prowess question mark because it's well it's kind of like just a brewed prowess deck it's a little strange so our vector signpost here is third path iconoclast uh this is blue red for a 2-1 it's a human monk it's uncommon whenever you cast a non-creature spell create a 1-1 soldier artifact creature token young peasy's back this is kind of better right like i mean it makes artifacts and this is an artifact set yeah, like this yeah, triggers it, artifact ETBs. Better, yeah, uh, like that's that's just really good. Also, young pyromancer triggers on instants and sorceries. Yeah, but yeah, this triggers on any non-creature. Like this, this triggers if you cast a planeswalker. Not that that's you know, but or this artifacts. triggers if like yeah, or, or or artifact or enchantment maybe. Like I don't even know what blue is gonna have. Who knows? But yeah, uh, this is this is something. <laughs> I, I actually kind of really like it. I mean, this just goes really wide really quickly. Um, the question is, will this vector be able to take advantage of going ride? I mean, like blue red, this is obviously a source of value, right? But like blue red isn't really the go wide, like overrun your opponent archetype. Let's see what else it has. I think it is in this set. <laughs> so yeah. we've got a, we've got monastery swift spear. Oh yeah. Oh, I love this card. Um, I, I love Swifty. I'm aching so, for a Swifty reprint. <laughs> yeah, I actually just picked up a bunch of the alt art ones from uh, from the master set. So I, I, I'm, I'm ready to go. So Monastery Swift Spear, for those that don't know, it's red for a 1-2 haste prowess. It's an uncommon, it's a human monk. Good thing this thing is uncommon because if this is a common, this would just be so annoying. But at uncommon, it's worse in limited than it is in constructed, obviously, because you're not shocking your deck full of 1-1s and things like that. But, uh, or... This is obviously worse in limited than it is in constructed because you're not putting your deck full of cantrips and, and uh, one mana removal. But 
this is still pretty good, right? Like if you can follow this up with even the threat of a pump spell, like you can attack this into a 2-2 and often you can attack this into a 3-3 pretty safely. And what's your opponent going to do? <laughs> like there's always the risk that you have the the instant. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about Whirling Strike earlier. That's the one or red instant at common that target creature gets plus two plus oh and first strike and trample. Yeah, that alone makes this thing a four three yeah. or four two and with first strike and trample and haste <laughs> like you know like there's a whole lot of stuff going on there and then you're triggering your your iconoclast to make a one one to or any other prowess creatures you have i mean that's the real value in prowess decks is when you have like multiple prowess creatures on the board at once and so every single spell you're casting is getting double value basically yeah next up is mishra's onslaught this is three in red it's an instant it's a common choose one create two one one colorless soldier artifact creature tokens or creatures you control get plus two plus O until end of term. So this is obviously flexible and it's obviously overcosted for both modes, right? Like yeah. you would want to pay three for either of those on an instant. So the question is, is four and the flexibility of getting both worth it? I don't know. But the fact that this is an instant, so this triggers all of your quote unquote prowess stuff, whether literal prowess or uh, like something like the third path iconoclast where you would get more tokens. But I thought this was notable because it also makes tokens. So red has a little bit of a sub vector where it can go wide with the uh, like soldier tokens. Uh, and also it's an instant. So you can leave it up during combat, cast it, trigger your swift spear and other stuff too. So um, the reason that I, I thought this was an interesting card to mention was because it reminded me of Goblin Wizardry from mm. a core set a while back, which was a similar card. Um, it was a, a four mana instant and it made two one ones with prowess. And it was such an obnoxious card. It got better in multiples. This reminded me a little bit of that card. Uh, obviously, the, the tokens don't have prowess, so they're not as good in that, right? But it sounds like there's more stuff with prowess to go with, like the Swift Spear. So, I don't know, a card to keep our eye on. Probably lower in the vector in, in as far as strength goes, but it's something to, to remember is exists in the format. It's an instant. It makes two one ones at instant speed. Like, you should know that exists. Definitely. I think you'd probably rather just have two copies of the the whirling strike I mentioned before, but um, this does make this does make creatures. So if that's something you need, then it'll fit the bill. Yeah, and maybe you have a deck with uh, two of the third path iconoclast, and you actually do want that plus two plus o overrun mode where you just make like seven artifact tokens and then you just give them all two o and win. Yeah, I mean, and and really with the prowess creatures in the deck, the plus two plus o mode is plus three plus one. Mm, yeah, that's true. Because it's triggering all the prowess stuff too. So, speaking of triggering prowess, there's stern lesson. So this is two and a blue for an instant at common. Draw two cards, then discard a card. Create a tapped power stone token. So this is not quite divination. It's a little worse, but notably, this does trigger the draw two stuff on any turn, regardless of uh, if it's yours or theirs. So yep. the blue black deck will want this too. Uh, this is also an instant that gives you a. a an artifact at instant speed for artifact ETBs. So that's worth noting. And it does also just draw you two cards and discard a card. It's an instant, right? Like this is card advantage. Uh, and sure, you discard a card, but you get the power stone back. So hopefully you can use that power stone mana for either an active ability or to ramp into something larger. Uh, this looks like a pretty key instant in the format. I feel like a lot of decks will want this because it's it's kind of like a vector glue, right? Like a but mm -hmm. it, it does several things that several blue decks want whether it's drawing to instant speed thing ramping uh honestly even discarding a card like you're stocking your graveyard you could pitch something with unearth right like this mm -hmm. just feels like it checks all the boxes so i think blue red will be pretty happy with maybe one or two copies of this 
Yeah, the blue the the decks that care about being aggressive and trying to trigger prowess as often as possible need to be careful about playing three mana cantrips. But um, you know, it's fueling you by drawing your cards. It does the power stone thing. I think the the power stones are probably going to be least effective in a deck like this because you want to cast a lot of instants and sorceries, and those yeah can't you can't use power stones to cast those. So yeah, uh, I think that's going to be probably something that this deck doesn't care about in particular, but. Um, it checks a lot of the other boxes for sure for this deck. I could see a version of this prowess deck that actually does care about like just casting artifacts. You know, there's actually a few instant speed artifacts in this set, which are really interesting with the prowess creatures because they, of course, trigger any non-creature spell. Speaking right. of which, one more mention for wing commando in this uh, in this vector, just the, the three mana two two flying prowess. Just again, yeah. perfect for this deck. Can you imagine going Swift Spear, Iconoclast, Commando, and then you have a, a handful of like instants and sorceries and artifacts? Like that's just oh, yeah, such that's, good value. That's beautiful. Next up, we've got Red White. We're calling this one Slammin'. And uh, our signpost on common here is Falaji Vanguard. This is a two red white for a human soldier at uncommon. It's a two three with first strike. And whenever Falaji Vanguard or another creature enters battlefield under your control, target creature gets plus two plus zero until end of turn. Huh. Sounds like we're going wide. Yeah, and also a little bit tall. Um, I mean, this is just a solid artifact aggro card. Not necessarily artifact, I guess. But the, the reason that I'm thinking that is uh, this pairs pretty well with Unearth, right? I, I feel like Red yeah. White is going to have, and I know Red White across the commons, they have some solid Unearth cards. Uh, also, it's a soldier. So I'm sure there'll be some soldier synergies all across the white decks. Um, the fact that you could like play a creature and then under something else and then spread out two instances of plus two plus oh is really solid. Uh, and the fact that, you know, you could have something ETB and then turn this into a four, three first strike or maybe a uh, six, three first strike, in which case it's, you know, functionally eating anything that's put in front of it. Um, solid card. Yeah, that's that's really, really nice. Um I would also say, I mean, man, that Scrapworks, uh, the cohort is just looking better and better and better. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because it gives you two creature ETVs. Yeah. And then it unearths and does it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's good. That's really good with this. So first card we have uh, in support of this archetype or color pair rather is Ambush Paratrooper. It's one and a white for a human soldier at common. It's a one, two with flash flying and an activated ability of five colorless mana creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Love this. This is going to go in probably all of my blue white flyers decks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a flash it's so flyer good. and picture this, you top deck this late game, you have seven mana and it can be power stone mana too. Next up, we have Airlift Chaplain. This is two and a white for a human cleric at common. It's a 1-1. One, one. Three mana, 1-1. One, one. Nice. That's pretty fun. It has flying, so there's that. And then when Airlift Chaplain enters the battlefield, mill three cards. You may play, put a planes card or a creature card with mana value three or less from among the cards milled this way into your hand. If you don't, put a plus one, plus one counter on Airlift Chaplain. I like it. Okay, so... Play patterns look like this. You have a three mana. You could potentially have, you have three mana. You play this. You've got a one, one flyer. You mill a bunch of stuff. Don't put anything in your hand. And now you have a two, two flyer for three. That's Dr. Graveyard a little bit too, but yeah. Right. Um, otherwise you can take a planes or a creature with three mana value three or less and put it into your hand. And then you have a one, one flyer for three. Also kind of fine. You know, if this is like a sky scanner, like, wait a minute, this is, this is just a sky scanner. Sky scanner is great. Yeah. The thing is, um, I will say this doesn't just let you take like it doesn't say mill three cards and then put a planes in your hand. It has to be from the cards you milled. Yeah, so it has to be true. one of those three cards. So you're you're limiting yourself a little bit in that way. 
but like a white deck is probably pretty happy. I mean, there will be some times when you just don't see a planes, like you'll flip a like a mountain and two creatures, right? And then you have to kind of hope that one of those costs three or less. Or otherwise, your, your fail case is that it's just a three mana two two flyer. Which honestly, yeah, I think that fail case is fine. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago that three mana two two flyers were just pretty good. I mean, they've gotten a little outclassed recently, but I mean, this is also just a three mana two two flyer that can put some junk in your graveyard to bring back later. Like, I think this is pretty solid. It could yeah. be a soldier. Sad, it's not a soldier. Next up is Mishra's Domination. This is one in a red for an aura at common. Enchant creature, as long as you control enchanted creature, it gets plus two, plus two. Otherwise, it can't block. Nice little versatile removal spell here, in a way. I mean, you can put it on your own stuff, and then it's got the aura downside of getting of being a blowout for yourself. But you could also just throw this on somebody else's creature and be half a pacifism. I want this to be the kind of format where this is good. Yeah. <laughs> like, where, where, where this is, like, really good. Because this is the kind of, like, nonsense card that I'll be on my soapbox about. And I'll be like, look, <laughs> yes. you can use this to kill your opponent. Like, this functionally kills a creature for two mana as long as you kill them that, that turn. And then everyone else will, like, roll their eyes and <laughs> walk past me on the, on the street as I yell And you'll my still trophy a million times with it. And I, I will have a trophy deck with this in it at some point. In, in this cycle of, of, of games, I promise. No, I like this card a lot. Um, I think it will be important that you sneak it in at the right time if you're putting it on your creature. And obviously, you don't want to you don't want to put this on something that they're going to attack with anyway, right? Like you don't want to put this on their flyer, maybe because uh, then it's it doesn't really have it doesn't really do anything. Like yeah. if it's not mitigating the fact that it, it was going to be their best blocker. But if they tap out for like a I don't know. There's like a six mana, six, six artifact creature. Uh, and you have to think of, oh no, it's, it's one of the blue prototype ones. It's like a six, six or a nine, nine, and it doesn't untap during your untap step, but you have to pay three to untap it. Like, yeah. Then yeah, that's a common. Yeah. Yeah. You put this on that and then it looks like a joke, right? Then you just slam with your whole board. Like all of your stuff gets in. Um, I think this could open up some good blocks. I think this could open up some good attacks in one of two ways. You either put this on a creature to enable it to slam in, or you put this on their thing to prevent them from blocking your entire board. So versatile. Also, you could sometimes just stick this on a flyer and go to town. Like if they, if they just don't happen to have it, if they're, if you're playing against like, I don't know, black red, right? Like what are they going to do about a flyer besides kill it? Uh, in which case you get two for one, but you know, that. the, that's the risk. That's the, the price you pay for playing fun aggro cards, I guess. Yeah, I think also putting this on unearth creatures makes it a little less hurtful when you get two for one in that way, because like they don't really want to point their removal spell at your unearth creature because you're Yeah, it's true. You're just gonna get it back and then you're buffing your creature so they you might trade with something more reasonable if they don't want to point a removal spell at it. So um probably good targets there. And then our last card we wanted to highlight here for this archetype or this color pair is Conscripted Infantry. It's two and a red for a human soldier at common, three one. And when it dies, create a one one colorless soldier artifact creature token. Not too shabby. Yeah, I mean, this is one to put Mishra's Domination on, right? Then it trades up probably. And uh, I mean, then then they're incentivized to kill it, I guess. But I don't know. It's a whole thing. They're they're de-incentivized because it it makes the one one. Yeah, I like this. I mean, it's it's good value. And uh, obviously it makes an artifact token. So that'll trigger any ETBs. Um, Nice. Yeah. So now we wanted to mention some colorless cards from the set because there's there's some funny ones. First up is Energy Refractor. This is two mana for an artifact at common. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card and it has pay two mana, add one mana of any color. So it's like a filtering thing. You can put two mana into this 
uh, from any sources, and then you get one mana of any color out. Uh, this works with power stones. So, like, this is an activated ability. You tap two power stones, and this lets you turn two power stone mana into one normal mana that you could use to cast a creature spell, for example. So, yeah, of any color. So, typically, yeah. just to throw it out there, typically, like, we, we tend to see this effect on lands, and they're mm. usually awful. Like, you'd never yeah. want to play these cards. In this set, I think Energy Refractor is actually a playable card. It replaces itself, and then you can convert you can convert Power Stone mana. You never really want to tap actual lands to activate this ability, mm-hmm. but converting Power Stone mana into real mana can be very helpful in certain decks. Yeah, I mean, this is fixing. Now, if there's going to be a like a nonsense deck, I'm talking like like a mono green-ish that then plays like into five colors, those types of vectors usually rely on a nonsense card like this. And sometimes like uh, like Golden Egg from uh, from Eldraine, you have to sack it in order to, to add the like fixed colors. Uh, this one you don't have to sack. This one just sticks around and does it forever. It's also an artifact that just sits on your board forever. Uh, if you ever need to sacrifice an artifact, this is one that you'll have laying around, right? So... I don't know. Again, this seems like a glue piece. And if there is some sort of busted four to five color, like every color and also colorless and also monocolor deck, this will be involved with it somehow. Next up is Supply Drop. I love this card. This is three mana for an artifact at common with flash. When it enters the battlefield, target creature you control gets plus two plus two until end of turn. And that has pay four, tap, sack it, draw a card. Yeah, this is. Oh, man. So there was the dagger. In, in Streets of New Capanna. Uh, it was a little different. It was three mana. It, it was an equipment. It automatically equipped, and it gave the thing 1-1 uh, one, one in first strike that turn. This is a little different. This gives plus 2, plus 2, but this is a this is an artifact combat trick. So this triggers all the prowess stuff. This triggers all the artifact ETB stuff, and then it buffs your creature during combat. And then you just get to cash it in later to draw a card, or you could sack it to something, or use this to, I don't know, do anything else that an artifact is supposed to do. Uh a thing that says return target creature or artifact to the battlefield can hit this. Like th- this is a, this is a really weird card, but I like it a lot. I agree. I, I love it. It's fantastic top down design, by the way. Yeah, 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 it is. Like, it's like fits uh, the whole thing very well. Um, and this is probably going to be a high pick. I, I think this is a card that pretty much every deck wants a copy of. Yeah, I mean, you do want a handful of power stones in order to make this ideal. Sure. But imagine like you look at your opponent's board. And you're looking at like, I don't know, setting up a big attack and you look at their lands and they're tapped out on lands, but they have three power stones up and you go, wait a minute, can I even attack here? <laughs> like, yeah. am I at risk well, of getting and, blown out? And the thing is like, just from looking at all these commons and uncommons, like pretty much every deck's going to be able to make one or two power stones incidentally. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're just, 100%. they're just stapled on creatures. So yeah, it's not going to be too difficult to put that together. And then you can also use power stones to activate this, uh, this draw card thing like this is this is a two for one it's a it's a slow two for one but it's also more than that i mean it's a combat trick so like you might eat a creature and then replace itself right like yeah yeah this is a this is a really fun card i'm excited to play with this one and i i hope again kind of similar to that that red aura i hope this is a set where this is good because i will like the set a lot more if it is then last up here we have goblin firebomb this is one mana artifact again with flash uh it has Seven, tap, sack it, destroy target permanent. So that's expensive, you know? That's not ideal, but this does kill anything. You know, it, it, you probably have to spend your entire turn using it, or maybe maybe even a little more than a turn. Maybe not in blue-green. <laughs> okay, so maybe in blue-green, you just kind of do this for, for, for free, right? But I feel like most other decks, uh, 
it'll take a little bit. Also, notably, it does sacrifice itself, uh, as did Supply Drop as well. So there are some black cards that care about things getting sacrificed. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, right? Think about it this way. You're you're playing blue-green. Your opponent taps out to play their 9-9 or 10-10 or whatever. You happen to have one Power Stone up. You just play this on their end step, flash it in on their end step, and then on your turn, you tap seven of your of your power stones kill their big thing. And now you still have seven or eight mint lands up to, to yeah. do whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's got strength to it for sure. I just don't know. I don't know. It, it is eight mana kill something, <laughs> right? Yes, like, you yes. Can't, it's a very expensive effect. This will be that, that removal spell you put in your deck. If you have a lot of power stones and if you came up short on like real removal spells, yeah. like there's go for the throat in this format, right? Like there's, there's actual kill spells. Yeah. But again, this is the type of effect you know, like I said, the deck I just mentioned was blue green. Blue green rarely has real actual removal. Yeah, that's true. So this might be just what that deck is looking for. Okay, next up, there's like a cycle of some weird sort of monocolor stuff or stuff that cares about mono. Well, I'll just go through the cards. Yeah, <laughs> It'll make more yeah, sense. Yeah. Um, so the first one here is flow of knowledge. This is four and a blue for an instant and uncommon. It says draw a card for each island you control then discard two cards. So clearly that leans toward being monocolored. You want more islands available to you than other other basic lands. Um, where are you happy with this? Four islands, three islands, two islands? Like what? It's draw, it, two islands you're draw to discard to, which is some card Terrible. filtering, but, but it's really awful for five mana. I mean, I feel like for five mana, you want to get at least two to three cards off of it. I feel right. like you I feel like you're you're like you only feel good if you got three cards out of this, like net three cards, in which case you want which means five, you need islands. five islands. Yeah, which is the the top end. Like that's the most you can get. That's the the very ceiling on this card. Oh, uh, sorry. I'm I lied about that. I'm thinking it's uh I'm gonna cut that. I think it's I was thinking it was for islands used to pay for the mana cost. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, this just doesn't seem like good so, so here's the thing I, I have a feeling that there could be a weird like monocolor deck every once in a while we've seen monocolor decks in limited before they can happen and in artifact sets they're more likely to happen right because you can play artifacts and just kind of ignore any colored stuff like sure uh the the phyrexian rager artifact version it's colorless and it has that black uh unearth ability but maybe I don't know, maybe you have a bunch of energy refractors in your deck and you just think you're going to be able to filter for black when it's time to unearth it. So maybe you do have some sort of weird monocolored artifact deck. Um, and then maybe you pick up a few copies of a certain one of these uncommon basic land cares about things. I, I think you need to be pretty close to mono blue for this to be good. Because if, you're, if you have less than like five islands in play, which isn't really going to happen unless... You're literally mono blue. Like if you're a two color deck, even with 10 islands in your deck, like you wouldn't yeah. be getting good value out of this until over halfway through the game on average. Right. Yeah. And by then the game's probably over. Like drawing those cards isn't really doing a whole lot for you. Um, the next one here is corrupt. This is five and a black for a sorcery at uncommon. And it says corrupt deals damage to any target equal to the number of swamps you control. You gain life equal to the damage dealt this way. So it's six mana. Deal damage equal to the number of swamps you control. So for six mana, I mean, you you want what? Like eight swamps on the battlefield? Like, are you happy paying six to deal eight to something? Well, this is like any target too. So yeah. if you have a six mana deal three, gain three, that's not well, the yeah, worst you are thing gaining in the world. stuff, yeah. Yeah, and I think at four, this becomes like solid. Like a six mana deal four, gain four is solid. And then if you start going to five and six, 
like if you obviously at that point you're either in a very heavy swamp deck or you're mono black uh then if you're like deal six to your opponent gain six like we're talking about gary terms here we're talking about gray merchant win con at that point and like with with two copies of this but like gary's uh, a five drop that leaves a body behind okay okay yeah but the body was never the important part right you killed him with the etb sure sure but it was a lot easier to get devotion to black than it is to have swamps on the battlefield no that's that's very true um but again if there is some sort of monocolored artifact deck and you're playing all swamps and then maybe some off-color uh stuff maybe a, a few off-color prototypes or off-color under stuff fixing with the uh the, the stupid energy refractor then I think corrupts if you cast this for anywhere over three or four swamps, I think you're pretty happy with it. Okay. Yeah. And then I think there's, then there's also the, like, uh, I guess pseudo hidden win the game mode where you have like eight or nine swamps on the battlefield and you just dome your opponent for nine and <laughs> you yeah. call it a game. Yeah. Like that, that actually, that absolutely will happen. And then our last one here is lay down arms. This is white for a sorcery at uncommon exile target creature with mana value less than or equal to the number of planes you control its controller gains three life. So we're looking at something similar to like a plords, a plords, a swords to plowshares effect yeah. in essence. But this one of these three seems like the most reasonably castable. I mean, three planes, you're still pretty happy paying one to get rid of their three drop, aren't you? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think that the gain life aspect of it too. Um, <laughs> I mean, you want to be pretty defensive if you're playing this, but honestly, even if you are an aggro deck, this is just so efficient. Like it's one mana, right? And maybe right. there'll be a mono white deck in which case this will just kill anything. And then they gain a little life, but you're happy about it. Uh, also it does exile, which is good because this is a, a graveyard set. Uh, we should also mention the other two, the red one and the white one, the red one I think is total junk. It, it's a, uh, one in a red for a zero four. And if you control four or more mountains, it gets plus X plus O on your turn where X is the number of mountains you control. So basically it's a zero yeah, four until you have four mountains. And then on your turn, it's a four, five, four, or five, four, whatever. I think that one's stone unplayable. Uh, and then the green one is Blanchwood armor. It's a reprint two and a green for an aura. Uh, and the enchanted creature gets plus X plus X where X is the number of forests you control. And that one is just a big beefy aura. That's, you know, whatever. I think these are the more exciting ones. I think lay down arms is probably the best of them followed by corrupt. But honestly, those two both seem solid. The other ones, I don't know, Blanchard armor might see play overflow knowledge, whatever. I'm, I'm interested in these cards because if there is a weird monocolor artifact deck in the format, these will be a part of it. Like this will be your motivation to go into that specific color. Like imagine having two copies of corrupt and a mono black deck. Like that's, yeah, that'd be really, that's really good. So let's talk top commons. We're going to just shout out a few of what we think could end up being some of the top commons in each color. So starting with white, I think airlift chaplain is up there. Look, sky scanner is a very good magic card. This is not exactly sky scanner, but I think it actually has some upsides uh, in that it stocks a graveyard. So that was the three mana one, one, the one that lets you go get uh, planes or a creature three, uh, three or less. Then we have disenchant. It's a reprint. It's got some sick Richard Kane Ferguson art. Uh, it's one in a white instant at common destroy target artifact or enchantment and the, the flavor text is funny it says one down several thousand more to go and it's some guy shooting a uh, like a robot with like a laser gun when yeah, you answer I mean, cards like this you know we we talk about cards like this in in random sets you know typically go up in in like theros sort of sets because enchantments are very prominent there of course the artifacts being all over the place in this set this is a card this is 
basically just removal. Typically, this is a sideboard card. In this format, it's basically just removal. Yep, I'm playing one to two disenchants in every single white deck. And, and not even just because the artifacts, there's also good enchantments in the set still too, right? There's Prison Sentence, which is our third top white common. Uh, two and a white, it's an enchantment, it's an aura. And uh, it enchants a creature. When it ETBs, scry two, which is good. <laughs> like that, that's, that's, a, that's a sizable scry. And then uh, it's got the usual... Uh, enchanted creature can't attack or block and it's activated abilities can't be activated so this thing just puts something out of the game forever now there is some sacrifice stuff in black red so you know be careful maybe this goes down against them a little bit but otherwise this is just three mana take anything out for good and scry two that's that's really good on to blue we've got stern lesson that was the two and a blue instant at common draw two cards discard a card create a tap power stone token just seems really versatile pretty much every blue deck's gonna want at least a copy of this card if not more and it it checks all the boxes pretty much everything in the set wants to be doing so seems like a card that every de- every blue deck's gonna want next up wing commando two and a blue for the two two human soldier at common with flying and prowess it's really difficult to find a more valuable or uh, efficient creature in this format i mean yeah two two flyer with prowess just yeah i'll take those all day and then lastly we've got might stones animation this is three and a blue for an aura at common of course and when it etbs draw a card it enchants an artifact and enchanted artifact is a creature with base power toughness four four in addition to its other types so this is like turn your power stone into a four four that taps for mana and you know that that's pretty solid uh we've seen these effects be pretty decent in previous sets sometimes they're pretty bad sometimes they're pretty good but in a set with relatively tiny creatures turning all these random extra artifacts you have into another creature can be pretty valuable yeah so and it replaces I, itself so you kind of you kind of get away from the aura <laughs> dilemma i see this functionally as a four mana four four etb draw card <laughs> like i i think it's it's basically just that right in a set yeah. where power stones are free right like look stern lesson right. curve stern lesson into this yep. you just wind up so far ahead and it draws you a card on your turn uh to help with the uh, draw two archetype um th- th- this card i think is going to be one that's annoying to play against and when your opponent lands it uh it's gonna suck and sure you could get it blown out right like if if i don't know if you have like a bounce spell and you bounce their token or something but like it's not really a blowout though i mean I mean, realistically, like, again, like you said, all these Power Stone tokens are virtually free. They're just stapled onto cards all over the place. Oh, so you're saying this they just is, trade their bounce spells. This is this. just, exactly, it's just a four mana, four, four draws you card. Yeah. Because those, like, the Power Stones by themselves are not really cards, you know? They're not a whole card, so. Yeah, yeah. So, our top comments for Black, I didn't get too creative this time. We just went with a suite of some of the best removal uh, in the entire set. Uh, dad figure? No, disfigure. <laughs> it's black for an instant. Target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. Uh, just really efficient rate. This is kind of like an inverse pump spell, right? Like th- this will kill like three twos and two twos really well. Uh, but this also can, you know, make a favorable trade, right? If your four four and their four four are in combat, you shrink theirs and yours wins. So, uh, just a really efficient rate, really solid removal spell. Yeah, I'll throw in as well. Um, black red decks will likely incidentally have random red creatures with prowess. And so this is like a three power and toughness swing like with those creatures in combat. Yeah, that's true. Then overwhelming remorse. This was the one we mentioned, the four to black instant cost one less for each creature card in your graveyard. Exile target creature planeswalker. Look, a, a solid percent of the time, this will be two to one mana exile a creature or planeswalker. And the, the time that it happens where you get to snipe their sahili or something or uh you'll be you'll be really thankful you had this 
Yeah, and again, we we had highlighted this card with the green-black archetype because that's the one that seems to want creatures in the graveyard the most. But stuff dies unlimited. Like oh yeah, every deck will have creatures in the graveyard, so <laughs> you're you're, <laughs> yeah. you're very unlikely to be playing this for five mana. I would say. Last but not least, here Power Stone Fracture to round off our suite of removal. This is one in the black. It's a sorcery. It's a common. As an additional cost to cast the spell, sacrifice an artifact or creature. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. So another way to cheaply kill anything that they've got. Uh, I mean, this pairs really well with some of the power stones, obviously, right? Like <laughs> you sack your power stone, kill the best thing. Uh, or you could sack an unearthed creature, right? I mean, they probably didn't block it if it was uh, just going to be dying in a turn anyway, if they didn't want to trade. So then you get some extra value by before it goes away at the end of your turn, uh, just sacrifice it, make it trade for their best thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised these are all at common, to be honest with you. Yeah, me too. Quick runner up here, one that I actually put on by accident, Emergency Weld. It's one of the black, it's a sorcery. Return target artifact or creature card from your graveyard to your hand and then make a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token. People are calling this Baby Gravedigger because it's like a 2-mana 1-1 that comes in and brings back a, a creature or artifact. Uh, really, really good card too. But I don't know, this suite of removal, it just seems really strong. Uh, I think black is a strong color in this format. It's kind of where I want to be starting off. So for red, we've got Excavation Explosion. This is two and a red for sorcery. Excavation Explosion deals three damage to any target. Create a tapped Power Stone token. Sure. Yeah. I mean, deal three, ramp, like, yeah. and it makes a Power Stone for the sack decks. Awesome. Love it. Then we've got the Penrigan Strong Bull, which we talked about earlier. Two and red for a Minotaur creature. It's a two, three, and it has the activated ability of one sack and artifact. Penrigan Strong Bull gets plus one, plus one until end of turn and deals one damage to each opponent. Do you, um... Do you think Minotaurs are offended if you say they're beefy? <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds a little racist, but. Because <laughs> <laughs> look at that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, does, is, 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 does it have the same effect if you call him stocky? <laughs> I guess that's maybe that's worse. <laughs> okay. Th- yeah. Now I'm getting hungry. Let's move on. <laughs> Next up is a Dwarven Forge Chanter. This is one in a red for a Dwarf Wizard. It's a 1-3. It's got Ward Pay 2 Life, and it has Prowess. What an annoying little card. Oh, yeah. Like, this is going to this is gonna chip in for lots of damage, and you're going to feel really awful getting rid of it. Yeah, Ward Pay 2, like, if they get you down low enough, if you're at, like, 5, and this is one of the creatures on, on their side of the board, you're like, well, I just have to find a way to block that because you can't kill it at that point. Yeah. And then you have to block what could be like a 3-5 attacker, and then it pairs really well with combat tricks. Uh, I actually kind of like it that it that has higher toughness. Um, it just really yeah. makes blocking impossible for your opponent. So yeah, th- this is a solid card. And now our top commons in green, we have Epic Confrontation. This is a reprint. This is one in a green for a sorcery at common. Target creature you control gets plus one, plus two until end of turn. It fights target creature you don't control. Just really solid. And yeah, it's a fight, not a bite. But the fact that you get spotted an extra plus two, plus one, plus two means that your creature is going to live and theirs isn't. Uh, And then sometimes, I don't know, the buff will actually help. Like maybe that opens up an attack that you didn't have before. Although at that point, your creature has damage on it. So maybe you don't want to. Then Argothian Opportunist. This is the two and a green for a three, two human scout at common. When it ETBs, create a tapped power stone token. Just really solid creature. I mean, it's a three mana, three, two that ramps you. No notes. And then we put in the Blanchwood Prowler. That was the one of the green one, one elemental when it ETBs mill three. And then you can put a land from among them into your hand. And if you don't put a counter on it, just solid two drop helps you fix yourself. Start stocking your graveyard for the black green or maybe even green white decks. So nice little, uh, 
nice little creature suite. A little less solid removal in green, but uh, overall, I'm looking at black, red, and green as colors that I'm, I'm mostly interested in, particularly black, red. I, I think, I don't know, I think black, red, sack, it, it might be back. Uh, yeah, I think for me, I'm looking at blue white and specifically the, the Flyers version of blue white. I'm not so keen on the, the go white version of blue white and black red as well. Uh, just seems to be really solid. I'm a little worried about black white and oh, and also blue green looks really sick. I, I'm excited to give that a go. Yeah, um, but I'm a little worried about black white and possibly red green. Mm. I mean, red green seems like it's going to be okay, but the signpost on common is a little all over the place for me. Yeah, for red fair. green. Oh, and black blue doesn't look all that strong to me. To be oh honest. yeah, I have. Well, I rarely have any interest in playing black blue, but <laughs> this especially isn't really doing it for me. Well, that about does it for us. Thank you so much for sticking around for this whole format breakdown. Let us know what you think about Brothers War in the Discord. Jump into our uh, general channel or our trophy decks as the set starts to come out, and we can uh, take a look at all of your thing, all of your trophies and your decks and such, as well as uh, different picks. If you have questions about a, a specific pick, drop it in our What's the Pick channel, and uh, we'd love to chat all things Brothers War. Again, the link to the Discord's in the episode description, so you can check it out there. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Huge, huge thanks again to everybody who continues to support us there. We love you all. And if you want to find us outside of the Discord, you can find us on Twitter at DraftChaffPod. Thanks, and we'll catch you next week. So one last thing before we go. I mentioned earlier in the show that I kind of lost my voice due to a concert. And I don't know if this has ever really come up too much in Discord. I want to hear what everyone's favorite music is. Just drop in Discord in the random channel. Just uh, let me know, first of all, if anyone out there is also a fan of the 1975, because it was... It was a sick concert. Uh, but besides that, if anyone else is out there, uh, let us know. Oh, also, random other sign-off. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going on here? So, you know, we, we talked about Elon Musk and Twitter last week, and um, they they rolled Twitter rolled out the $8 month verification thing. Does Draft Chaff go verified? <laughs> uh, no, I think I'd like to do it the old-fashioned way. All right. Uh, if anything, if we're going to use our, our patrons' hard-earned money, we're going to use it so that we can draft. <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs>